Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 41. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guests today are Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. The two are probably better known for their respective side careers but have joined forces for their new record, The Song Club. In today's episode, we're discussing exactly what Song Club is, songwriting as a task, and their upcoming tour. Here we go. Our guests today aren't usually paired together. One is an award-winning country superstar, while the other is one-third of award-winning Australian band, The Waifs. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. How are we both today? Well, pretty chipper. It's a beautiful sunny morning and... A little bit of briskness in the air. (laughs) It's a sparkly morning, that's what we'll call it. Uh, Actually, whereabouts are you? uh, Where where are we speaking to you today? Yeah, this is the Central Coast. This is actually my home and uh, a a nice part of the country, Central Coast of New South Wales, not far from Tugra and Gosford in a little place called Kangi Angi. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, we're uh, in Adelaide today and it is just, um, it's just cold. There's no nice, it's just brisk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the new uh, record, The Song Club, is out today and uh, the catalyst of the record actually came from a bit of a creative collective from the, uh, sharing the same name. Are you able to tell us, I guess, uh, a little bit more about that project? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it was a stressful process for me. I don't know about you, Josh. It got stressful in the end. started out as very exciting, a bit of apprehension when Sam Hawksley, our friend from Nashville, he's an Aussie that lives over there, he, uh, he dropped by and invited us to join this thing called Song Club, which is basically you get given a prompt once a week and you've got to turn in a song by Thursday midnight. And um, there's about eight people in the group. And, uh, yeah, so you, your week would go into chaos, or at least mine did anyway. To try to find some inspiration um, and approach songwriting in a very different way than I ever had before. It does almost kind of seem like it's, um, I guess, songwriting, sometimes the pressure can be good. You know, sometimes a bit of a, a kick in the butt can help in, in mm-hmm. terms of churning stuff out. But sometimes, and I'm sure as both of you know, you're both uh, very well-versed musicians in your own right, is that sometimes it takes a bit of time. When you first went in, was there a bit of... Uh, extra judgment, I guess, on yourselves yeah. more than usual. <laughs> yeah, totally. Probably more worried that submitting a brand new piece of work to 
colleagues that were in the club and no one's judging no one's, uh, there's no score marks. And it's not a competition. It's not a competition in any way, shape or form. It's an individual right uh, and, uh, and you have to submit at least a minute and a half but most times we'd all finish a song because, you know, I feel that that was sort of part of the, the thing for us anyway was finishing a song and I remember that very first week, just the stress and Josh, I, I still say it today, I think he was brown nosing because the very first song came in <laughs> straight off the bat and it was Spare Parts, which is actually was the first single that re- we released and it was a, a killer lyrics and I thought, great, this is where the, this is where the standard is, it's, it's right up there. So it really made, well made me personally and I think a lot of the others too, we all commented on that amazing song of Josh's and just made you feel, I don't know, like you wanted to be up there with that sort of calibre and it was really great. Well, thank you, Fliss. I was actually very unsure. I didn't know whether I'd turned out anything that was worth turning in, but I did it quickly in the first couple of days of getting the prompt because I didn't want to sit around for a week just... Like um, me. ...being full of <laughs> angst and anxiety about it. I'm just going to get this and then it's done. I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was going to say, Josh, uh, was there was there any uh, doping, if you will, in terms of you know bringing songs in beforehand to utilize? Oh, no. no, bringing songs in beforehand. That was all all written. Oh in no, that no, week, ri- yeah. written in the week. I mean, there might have been like songwriters have always got kind of ideas kicking around, whether it's a half finished song or a line or a lyric or a little melody or something. And you know, occasionally it was a good way to kind of grab onto, you know, the very beginnings of an idea that you might have had and then if it connected in any way to the prompt, then you could flesh that out and turn it into a song. But, yeah, there wasn't wasn't really a, um, no, no doping. <laughs> <laughs> was the intention uh, when, you, when you both went in, uh, I guess, was there an album in mind or was it organically that as you collected no. the songs you were like, we could put together a record? It, it was... Um I think, and that's part of the magic, that you just wrote for these prompts and it was just whatever style came out too. It wasn't for any record. It was just this creative um, process that was really great, especially through the COVID year and lockdown and I was homeschooling my girls at one point and my head was just spinning and I was juggling doing a radio show myself and it was pretty intense Um, and... At that time, I think once we came through the cloud, when we were, I don't know, catching up for a couple, I think we thought maybe we could do some gigs together in between shows I've done and and when life gets back to normal and the Waifs touring isn't happening, maybe we could do a few shows. It came about from that process. We thought we should have something at the gigs to maybe sell. Like, we're still (laughs) recording. We've got a swag of songs. Was there uh, like a large surplus kind of if once you got the uh, the machine I guess up and running in terms of writing those songs, once the the group um, collective uh, project kind of ended, did you find yourself keep writing songs? Have you continued to to write songs together or? Uh, I haven't. I, I stuck it out for the whole year, so I just finished at Christmas time. Fifty yeah. something songs. Yeah, I haven't actually done the, the math, but it would be around fifty because we started at the beginning of the year. Um, and I haven't even thought of writing a song since. You know, the the focus, I guess, <laughs> at some point shifted from. Okay, that's been a really intense season. I think I've written more songs in that year than I have in the previous ten years. And yeah. now it's time to maybe revisit some, and you know, for re- a solo them. project, I, I think Josh should do. 
Well, yeah, maybe down so the track wild. there'll be one of those, but uh, pretty excited about this project at the moment. But, yeah, it was just that transition from the mad writing season to, well, let's kind of revisit these songs and see what they can become on a, on a record. So it was a nice little shift. And, yeah, the songwriting thing is... I've left that behind for the time being. Too much else to worry about. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of time. I haven't let him, Simon, because we (laughs) had January, so there's Christmas and then we're looking at, oh, gigs, plotting those. And we hit the studio, oh, straight before as school went back, end of January into Feb. So I remember the kids were getting ready for school and while they were still home, they brought lunch up while we were recording into the studio and it was really exciting. Um, We were hearing how we were sounding together and just thought, well, let's just pick the eyes out, favourite songs that would suit a project of ours together. And we had collaborated a couple of songs here at home that also made the mix and that's how it happened and we engineered, produced it ourselves, played everything and the trouble is now working out how to play all those instruments live. <laughs> <laughs> how to take it into the live setting. I think, um, I think Josh, you've probably earned that break from songwriting then if you've got about 50 yes. or so sitting there. I think you've definitely earned that yeah. break. Yeah, to be honest, the whole, um, you know, what Fliss just said about trying to figure out how to present them in a live setting is there's too much going on in my head in relation to that <laughs> to even think about writing any new songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair, very, very fair. When you uh, were whittling down the, the track list to decide what does make the, the record, uh, I guess what was the criteria, what were you guys looking for in, in the collection of songs to make the record? Well, I think um, particularly as the year progressed, Josh had this uncanny way of, I mean, I'd contact him after he sent one in and I'd think, that were, they were my words. That's my story in that song. So he has that great ability of connecting human feelings into lyrics and speaking honestly, but very conversationally as well. Like it's not it's not rocket science. It's just beautiful and lovely melodies. And so it's kind of like, well, that would be a song I'd like to sing on. And, and it became very evident what would be the songs that we should do. Yeah, and I think a lot of, well, all of the songs on the album, we've done them as duets. You know, they weren't necessarily written that way in the first place, but I guess any material that lent itself to that kind of approach is sort of how how we selected and, and decided on what material would go on the album. Well, I insisted that Josh sings on every song because that's not <laughs> what people get to usually hear in the waves. Josh writes a, a stack of the waves songs, but they don't often get to hear him sing. So it was really great to... I think maybe occasionally I pushed you a bit in the studio to, come on, you got this, sing, sing it out, let's do it. (laughs) I grew a whole lot as a result of this experience, Simon. (laughs) Is he being polite just now? Very. (laughs) I I really appreciate it because, like Fliss says, it is a bit of a new world for me. And, uh, yeah, any time you can step out of your comfort zone and tackle something that you feel might be a little bit beyond your reach and, you know, try and, try and get to the mark, then you, you improve as a, a person and as a musician. Yeah. Definitely. I was going to ask, um, as, as you mentioned, you do write quite a lot of the music for the Waves and um, and with the Waves being fronted um, not by yourself, by the other two ladies. And then with did you find it, I guess, more uh, not difficult, but in terms of if you're writing for someone else previously and and they're saying what they want to say, do you find it, I guess, a bit of a, not a hurdle, but something to work around when this is you and what you're wanting to say? Mm. Um, not so much. And I think probably the, 
you know, the real key to, to that question is in that, like, I never really wrote for Donna and Vicky. You know, I never really wrote with them in mind. I would just write songs that were on my heart. And, yeah. you know, then whatever ones lent themselves to, you know, being wife songs, then we'd do. And quite often, especially in the early days, exclusively the girls would sing them. So, you know, there's a, a song, a, a well-loved wife song called Gilliam, which is about my mother. And, you know, it probably seems a little bit odd, but Vicky has been the voice of that song for all these years. So she's singing these you know, quite personal lyrics that are coming from me, but she's sort of the, the conduit through which my songs were coming into the world. So, yeah, the songs have always just been my own personal expression. So there's nothing really different about this project as opposed to my history of writing songs in and for the waves. Yeah, I don't know that's... Um I can very much understand that. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> uh, when you guys did sit down and it might be as, as discussed, both celebrated artists in your own right. Um, do you find that when you sit down to write a song, is it more of a lyrical thing that comes first or is it uh, more of a melody or musical kind of shape that takes place? We've usually got an instrument in our hands. That's, that tends to be the gateway or the, the, the beginning of especially collaborating it's been a guitar and a banjo or two banjos (laughs) yeah i think specifically with the music that fliss and i have written together there's always been yeah we're sitting down with instruments and we're kind of working on something or just having fun playing music Mm. and then something emerges from that that's often a really you know common way that it happens for me but i have had over the years i mean there's no set kind of routine for it it can happen at any time and this was the interesting thing about Song Club because you had to make it happen within a certain period of time. Um, you know, I normally just wait for inspiration to fall out of the sky and I've had it happen. I remember one time the waves were flying into Nashville to record an album and we had our collection of songs and between the time that the, you know, the announcement was made, you know, we're starting our descent into Nashville, Tennessee, you know, put your seat backs up and the tray table and buckle up. And I actually had an idea for a song. By the time the plane had landed, I had written the whole song, the melody and the chords and everything. I could hear it in my head. It's a long taxi. <laughs> <laughs> to the terminal. I'm hoping this, so I can't remember, but that's, that's almost going off. But, but the song ended up making it on that album. And, you know, that's, that's not a common occurrence. Like usually... You know, you often labour oh, over it from. I know why. Because you were closer to the sky. When the oh movie yeah, the inspiration. The inspiration didn't have a start of travel. I've got to go for something. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it can be a, a lyric, uh, an idea, but usually, you know, I'm noodling around on a guitar and I'll hear something. I'll stumble mm. across something. And go, oh, there's something That's there. That's pretty. And, yeah. And then, what words? What mood that is, does that conjure? And then you just kind of launch from that point. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, no, definitely. I've, Felicity, if I see you at the airport, like going back and forth, we're going to know that there's a new album coming at some point. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I'm very curious uh, how the, the two of you met initially because you do, uh, yeah, you're both, I'll say it one more time and then I'll, I'll drop it. You are both celebrated musicians in your own right in Australia. But, um, yeah, how did, I guess, you two meet and then, that decision to do do the album together? Well, we met years ago when Josh was producing, uh, co-producing an album for Sarah Stora with Matt Fell and that album was Silver Skies back in how many years ago? Uh, I need to get this answer ready to go because I can never Sorry, remember. I'm I, terrible with time. It was, but it was, it was <laughs> 2004, five, Something maybe, like that. Something there like that. you go. Yeah, that up exactly to be <laughs> on the money. So I remember just saying, "Oh, g'day!" Being a fan of the waves, so I was quite struck by how lovely and um, yeah, conversational that we just started chatting. And I thought, "Oh, he's such a nice fella." And I remember, um, yeah, having that impression, and then getting to see you at gigs like Port Ferry Folk Festival. And I ran into Vicky, and I was almost like stuck for words, being a uh, a bit, in, you know, in awe of Vicky and she was just a darling and um, watching the, the guys play and and then the Waves had been to the Tamworth Festival a few times and getting to see them play but we didn't really hang out. Yeah, it was more just an occasional crossing of paths at usually festivals and just random events like that. So, um, yeah, I, I do remember the very first time I saw Fliss though, Vicky from the Waves and I had been part of a theatre production in Tamworth at the festival so we'd you know, and a midday show and an evening show, and then after we got done for the day, we actually went out to the pub to see the Pickers Night, which was a you know who's who of anyone could get up. You never know who you're going to see. The, all the big stars are there. You know, Casey and Troy and Felicity. So she jumped up and did a couple of songs, and that was one of the early you know times that I actually be, really remember being aware of of her and. Um, she certainly made an impression. I never said hello, though. So, so I can't say that we actually met at that time, but <laughs> that's my earliest living memory of Felicity <laughs> uh, Now, Felicity, you are um, quite the, – the, the last album that you had come out, Frozen Rabbit, was quite well celebrated. I think there was five Golden Guitar Awards. Yes. Yeah, so oh, do you look at Josh? Oh, it was, it was amazing. You, <laughs> no, it was incredible, the reception that – uh, the album, bless you, that was the dog. <laughs> um, it was really lovely and straight off that, you know, there was the year planned of a lot of gigs and festival appearances and then COVID. So I couldn't even really get to see it do the, the next thing that I, I, I guess in my mind, I thought, well, this is really great because now it set it up the year beautifully too after the the year that was. It was the year that my album came out. It was the year my, I lost my husband to suicide. There, there was the yin and yang of that year was, um, was well, you, you couldn't write it. You wouldn't dream it up, uh, that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was my reality and... And I had my two little girls to see through that and the army of love of the industry came to our side and, yeah, we, you know, I consider, and I told the girls this and I still tell them today that we are very, very lucky, lucky to have music in our lives that 
kept us afloat and got me back and through music I was able to go, yeah, well, I still have my voice and I still I need music more than ever. And at one point I, I didn't know if I'd ever do it again. So it, it became my lifeline, I guess. I was going to ask uh, for, for both of you whether you do find um, a lot of the musicians we've spoken to, especially in the last year of everything that's happened, if you find songwriting as a bit of a, a cathartic experience and whether it be a good or bad emotion or whatever there is going on, yeah. whether you're able to kind of, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the, the real kind of things about Song Club was that it provided that opportunity. And I think a lot of musicians, as you see, you know, gigs starting to drop off and then you start to get the real picture of, well, this is what we're in for. Mm. This is totally upending everything. Um, you know, I think a lot of people could, it could and did really fall into a bit of a hole of depression and, you know, lose your optimism, lose your spark. And so Song Club created that opportunity to, you know, keep the creative thing happening um, in the absence of, you know, being able to get out there and do it live. But the other great thing about it too was that it provided a chance to connect with, with people, you know, with the other members of the song club. And even though it was all done through email, so we weren't physically in each other's presence, yeah. I still really had a strong sense of community out of that and, you know, made some great friends that I still haven't physically met, some of them, but you know, I, yeah. can, I consider them to be genuine friends as a result of my song club days. You got to meet a couple in Sydney. The, the, the last live gig I remember before lockdown uh, was Patty Griffin. And no, sorry, yeah, no, it was Patty. That's one sorry, the, the it was last one that the last, we saw. Yeah, that we met all the other, well, a lot of song club, Sydney song clubbers, and the fringes that came to that gig. It was like, oh, hi, this is, and that's, you know, it was kind of this lovely uh, social occasion for the clubbers. And, and through it as well, it's really exciting that a few of the artists that were in the same. Uh, song club phase uh, have released music from their experience as well, singles and album tracks that will be coming out in the next 12 months. So it's pretty cool. That's very exciting, is it? Um, we won't get you to um, out anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would there be anyone that we do know? Yes. Or, I think Shane yeah. Nicholson talks about it, that he was part of the, the team as well. And okay. um his current single. And his current single, yeah, it was. So we saw the baby first. Yeah, we heard the iPhone recording <laughs> first. <laughs> it's, that's the kind of cool thing I imagine about it is that not only are you um, not forced, but there's there's that pressure to write, but you can also kind of, you've got that little community to bounce ideas off and chat with and, you know, seek feedback mm. or just, as you said, see the baby first. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. go, what a great song. How, you know, and wow, that's, you floored me. You know, even those comments are enough to just... Give you the encouragement give, to go on for the next yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> and a pat on the back. And, it kind of, and then you get off and think, oh, my gosh, they've just written another killer song. Man, I've got to work on my, my craft. That's the other bit as well, I imagine. I know you said it's not a competition, but um, I imagine it kind of does spark like a little bit of friendly, um, not rivalry, but what's the word? Just We just, uh, just want to be... You want the level. You want yeah, I think it inspires yeah. you to rise to a level that yeah. you feel like you're worthy of being in the company of the other people that are there because they're such yeah. great songwriters. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it has the the double edge of being 
a bit intimidating or you know off-putting, but also <laughs> it's, it's really inspiring as as well. And you know, all the comments, all the feedback, it wasn't like people were critiquing and going, oh, you really kind of could have gone somewhere better in the chorus or used this lyric or why didn't you say that instead? Mm. It was all just very um, encouraging and warm and uh, felt very safe. Yeah. No, that's very cool. I um, p- People like yourself and Shane and, and I'm not sure who else, but I imagine it would have been quite a caring and nurturing group. I would have oh, been yeah. shocked if Yeah, yeah well, they're all a- creative. <laughs> So and so, you know, we're all we're we're all sensitive. Hard on our sleeve, and most <laughs> of the preamble before we ever got to the song and the lyrics, because you had to submit both audio and lyrics. And you know, they'd be, oh, this week's been a bit tough, or or the kids, those that have children, oh, one was sick, or blah, blah, you know, we hear about each other's life as well, which was just really nice. You just felt. All the disclaimers as to why this song isn't really what be. I would have hoped it would this week. Or it started somewhere else and it's ended up here. Oh, Could great. we possibly see a bit of a song? Would there ever be a song club collective album, if that yeah, makes sense? Yeah, that fun? Well, that goes, that, that responsibility would go to Sam Hawksley, who is the man we hold responsible. Song Club Daddy. Daddy for the Australian arm. But then he would probably go to Rachel in Nashville who invited him. So, I mean, the mind boggles of how many songs over (laughs) the last three years or thereabouts would be written from the Song Club. I mean, I'm not sure how many years Rachel in the States has been doing it. Yeah, I'm not sure. And that was actually something else that struck me as we were doing it. I was thinking, you know, even though this is quite a private, it's a little group that, you know, these songs for the moment at least aren't really venturing out beyond that group. But it just felt like as we were churning out that, you know, catalogue of songs week by week, it just felt like there was something very positive and beneficial about now the world has another eight songs this week in it. Yeah. As a result of this little group of crazy people that are doing this thing. And then you stand back at the end of a year and think, well, 50-odd songs from eight different, like there's hundreds of songs that the world now now has. And I think that can only make it a better place, whether it ventures out beyond Song Club or even if it's just within the heart and soul of the the people that wrote them and got to share them in that way. Mm. Yeah, it's. I never... uh, I guess I never thought about it like that, and that is quite an interesting yeah. thought to have. Yeah, and me either. It's good with words, isn't it? <laughs> See, this is why. Yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> um, you both are taking the record on the road. I think uh, next month and a little bit of the month after. Yeah, uh, well, till the end of the year, we've just got things that keep coming in, Simon. It's great. What are you both looking forward to about getting back to live shows? Oh, just the the buzz. It's a real adrenaline. We're adrenaline junkies, really, aren't we, artists? Um, <laughs> it, it's a funny thing because even through that, the COVID year, there was lots of performances online, lots of reaching out, connecting to community that way, but it did not rock my world at all. I, I worked out I'm very needy when it comes to playing and getting – somebody, one person or 10 people uh, to tell me they liked it or that they felt something connected, cried or whatever. I just, it turns out I really feed off that or I need it. And um, and I found I'm not alone in that as a, as a performer. And so that's what I love about getting out there and telling our stories and playing music for people. And mm. Yeah, I think um, 
I actually just recently wrote a little post on my social media about this very thing uh, in the context of the waves, you know, nearly 30 years of, of uh, you know, playing music together and, you know, we've seen a lot of different changes in the way the world is, you know, like the advent of social media itself. I remember the, you know, mobile phones becoming a thing, you know, and the internet and the way that those things have affected music and then, you know, the whole streaming thing and, uh, you know, CDs used to be like you'd make an album and that was like a really valued piece of art that would form a major part of an artist's income and now it's just this kind of giveaway, throwaway sort of tool that's just a promotional thing really. Uh, But through all that kind of change, the one thing that's remained the same, that bands like The Waifs and I know for Fliss and I as well, but you can never replicate the live experience, you know, you no matter how technology or the world changes, people standing on a stage, people coming and sitting in the audience and sharing that connection, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful collaborative thing that you can't really define, you mm-hmm. can't replicate, and it will always have power. So I think getting back to that situation is something that we as artists have really been craving and the few little gigs that we've done so far, you can see that the people have been craving that too. So it's just wonderful that, you know, hopefully the the shadows of the last little season we've been through are lifting and we're going to have that back. Yeah. Definitely. I think um, a number of people we've spoken to, while live streams and everything throughout COVID have been good in terms of keeping people entertained or, you know, sane, um, Mm. uh, there is a certain, like, electricity almost to being at a live show. And I think, as you said, you can't replicate that at all. Yeah, electricity, that's the word. I like that. Mm. (laughs) Uh, What what can people expect? I know you said you're still working out the mechanics of (laughs) both of you not playing all the instruments yourself, but what can people, other than the one-man band trick, what can people expect um, from the live shows? Well, I have tried with a bit of percussion strapped to my legs at different times, Um, (laughs) but we've gone to more of the uh, using my foot on some, you know, tambourine action type of jig that, Josh has set me up with and then there's a couple of banjos and acoustic guitars and and we play all but every song off the album and then of course it has to be a couple of waifs tunes and a couple of my songs in the show so golden guitar winning classics (laughs) (laughs) award winning song so you know toured with Bob Dylan so um geez we should throw a Bob Dylan maybe we'll put a Bob Dylan cover we should do that too um so it's um it's just really nice, and I, I and an acoustic show, no doubt. It is definitely acoustic. Yeah, and I'm still working. I know this is talking up my whole, you know, way with words. But one thing that I really love about what we do is Fliss. She's a, I, I always use the term a masterful communicator. She's very personable and she walks on stage and there's a glow and a light and, yeah. you know, an endearing quality about her that people just, you see that everybody being drawn in. And I think part of my challenge, I stand there next to her just getting totally drawn into it. So I feel like I'm just part of the crowd and I get lost in what she's saying. It's, oh, I, I need to get involved in this and talk too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. He, I, I, I make sure that he tells the stories because there's some great all those years of touring and you know the Bob Dylan side of things and yeah all the, the great things that the Waves have done and and they're part of the Aussie fabric, you know, of our the quilt of great bands and and um, and and what is so unique about what they've been able to do is also keep that Australian sound, which I think is really important. We're not out there trying to whip off some 
uh, international sound. <laughs> it's very Australian based. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It um uh, the. the uh, for lack of a better word, the banter between the two of you in in terms of um, the careers and just even chatting now, it does seem that like there is quite an, a lovely friendship behind it. So I imagine that on stage that does translate uh, well as well. Well, we hope so. Yeah, we're hopeful. Yeah. It's all about just <laughs> being yourself out there, Simon. I think that that is, is what... I don't know, is, is what makes people feel that they can come up after gigs too and, and chat and tell us their stories because, mm. yeah, we're just normal people. Just That's just what we do for a job. Masterfully communicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, uh, lastly, we usually do um, ask our guests what they're, what they're currently listening to. Is there a, like a record or an album at the moment that either of you or both of you are, are listening to on repeat or just enjoying uh, Oh. Am I able to say the song club? Because we're trying to learn the songs. You right? can say <laughs> that. And then I might say. You can say that. 100%. You can totally say that. And, and and I'm getting that spill off as well. But in the car, when the kids are in the car, they love listening to Bob Corbett and the Bob Corbett band. He's They hail from Newcastle. And Bob was a former Starmaker winner. He's a great songwriter. And, man, that album gets a workout. And if it's not... Bob Corbett, it's Brad Butcher, who's another good mate that I've toured a lot with. Actually, we're going to do some shows with Brad in Queensland on this tour. So it's switched between those two and the waves. I mean, have you said one album, right? No, no, no. Look, I understand. You can't just have a diet of one food. You have to have a few. So I definitely understand that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's all what the kids want. And I'm right on board. And they'll go, put Joshy on, mum, put Joshy on. (laughs) So the waves get around a lot. That's very cool. That's um, that's awesome. Um, Felicity and Josh, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, thanks Simon. So Our pleasure. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham for their time. Their new record, The Song Club, is out now. We've left links in the show notes to buy tickets to their show or listen to their music online. We also want to give a huge shout out to Stacey at Daydream Nation PR for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.